0: You're listening to the Phillies Nation Podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com.
1: What's going on, everybody? This is Ty Daubert. Welcome back to the Phillies Nation Podcast. We're coming at you with another episode. This time, we're going to talk about what this upcoming offseason might look like if there is no season. You know, last week, we talked a lot about uh, MLB's plans. Uh, the new news is that the Major League Baseball is getting ready to introduce a plan to the Players Association. Uh, nothing is, you know, they, they haven't come to any kind of agreement yet. Um, but we're just going to talk as if you know a season might not happen if that were to be the case. What this off might look like. Um, as always, I'm joined by my co-host Johnny Heller, and today. We have a very special guest as well. So, Johnny, how are you doing? And do you want to introduce our guest for us?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm doing well. Looking forward to talking about, um, you know, this coming off season. I think there's some interesting uh, aspects of it. Um, and like you mentioned, we have a special guest.
0: It's uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia's Corey Sidman. Corey, thanks for coming on. How you doing? I'm great, guys. I kind of feel like. Uh full circle here because Phillies Nation where I started about a decade ago writing, writing with Pat Gallon and doing the TV show and it's pretty cool here now 10 years later or so being a do- doing a podcast with the new the new regime.
1: Yeah we're definitely glad to, to have you on I know a little while ago we posted a, a clip from the TV show that I, I saw that you liked we posted on the Phillies Nation Twitter account so definitely cool to be able to, to talk to you as somebody who was part of Phillies Nation a while back
0: yeah, man, it, uh, you know, it's, it's just back to, um, you know, the earlier part of this, uh, I guess, last decade now, there was like an explosion of Phillies blogs around the time that the Phillies got good from 07 to 11. But, you know, Brian Michael, our fearless leader back then, and I, I assume he still is in the same role now, um, you know, he had the foresight, he was a couple years ahead of the curve. And Pat Gow and I were talking recently about just, um, and I don't, you know, mean this to pump our own horn, really this is all Brian's doing, but how ahead of time Philly's Nation TV was because the kind of analysis that you now see widespread throughout baseball, uh, you know, we, we were doing that a decade ago and, um, you know, the landscape has changed significantly and now here we are and whoever thought that we'd be six weeks into what should have been a baseball season and we're all just kind of sitting around twiddling our thumbs.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely crazy times with their being no baseball but for this episode like I said we're going to talk about what this offseason might look like assuming there is no baseball uh, so why don't we get into that. Johnny do you want to get us started with our first talking point here?
2: Sure yeah um, I think the, the the biggest thing everyone talks about is JT Romuto and um, you know I think heading into last offseason everyone expected that he would it was, it was an inevitability that he would just sign an extension with the team. Um, but now, just with with this situation the way things have gone, it, it looks, I mean, I think it, it keeps looking likelier and likelier that he'll at least test for agency, and then um, who knows what will happen there. Um, the, the, the biggest problem, I mean, beyond the fact of it being a bad look to, to trade your top pitching prospect and then... Um, you know the guy you trade for walk in two years. Uh, there's not really a lot out there to replace Real Muto. Uh, next off season, I mean, the the Mets have an option on Wilson Ramos. He can hit, but he's he's not a great catcher. And then guys like like Yadier Molina is 38 years old. You're not going to sign him and, and expect a lot of production. So um, there's really just a question of what they would do if they can't sign Real Muto. Um,
0: yeah. Well, I don't even, you know, this is Corey talking, I don't even know if it's going to get to that point. I mean, I know that the Phillies would have less leverage if there's no season this year because JT Real Muto, really at that point, why would you why would you decrease your options? If I'm JT Real Muto and there's no season, I'm going to free agency. There's no risk of injury if there's not a season, and why have one team bidding for your services when you could have potentially 30 teams bidding for your services? But I still just don't see a way the Phillies let him slide, let him slip away. Um, you know, you mentioned the fact that they traded their top pitching prospect for him. They didn't trade their top pitching prospect for him to have one season, and that's what it would end up being if there's no 2020. I also think the other thing you have to consider is that Bryce Harper's obsessed with the guy. You know, Bryce Harper said many times that JT Real Muto is his favorite player. Their wives are friends. Uh, these guys are, you know, good buddies off the field. And one of the major reasons that Bryce Harper signed the contract he did was to allow the Phillies to continue adding and keeping their core players. And it would not sit well with Bryce Harper, I'm thinking, if the Phillies let JT Real Muto walk. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to match any offer that any other team could possibly give him. Like, if a, if a really desperate team comes in and offers JT Bermuto $200 million, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if they do, then you have to really sit and think, like, is this worth it? Um, but, you know, I think the number that a lot of us have pegged for a long time with JT has been something in that $23 million a year range, looking at like five or six years. That's a lot to give to a catcher. Uh, and typically, when you see catchers sign these big deals, a la Joe Mauer they end up not catching at the end of the deal. Same thing happening now with Buster Posey. Real Muto, his value is not just his bat. His value is his all-around game, and a lot of that value comes from his elite defense behind the plate. So, you know, I, I would think that the Phillies would be signing him to a long-term deal to remain a catcher that entire time. But, yeah, it's just a major complication. This is the Phillies' biggest priority, you know, uh, if, especially if there's not a season. And even if there is a season, this is one of our biggest priorities.
1: Yeah. Um, one big thing with Real Muto, like you said, is um, ca- signing catchers to deals like that, especially, you know, he'll be 30 years old in in 2021, just signing a catcher to that kind of deal is super risky because catchers typically do not age extremely well. Uh, you know, Yadier Molina has been a productive major leaguer into, uh, you know, he's around 37, 38 right now. But that's not the case for every catcher that signs a long-term deal. So that's definitely something to watch. Maybe you wonder, uh, this is unlikely, but would the Phillies be better off signing maybe um, a a cheaper catcher and then going after one of the bigger free agents like maybe Amuki Betts or George Springer, something like that? Uh, That's doubtful to happen, I would say. But, um, you know, you do definitely have to worry about how, catcher's age, uh, especially when they're on the wrong side of 30.
0: Yeah, I can't see the Mookie Betts thing happening just because I think that's going to require $400 million, quite frankly. I think that he's going to end up signing for more than Bryce Harper. You know, it remains to be seen what, you know, he could suffer a catastrophic injury, for example, if there is a 2020 season. I think George Springer, that's a pretty interesting name I hadn't thought about. Uh, But what I will say in regard to JT is it's not like the Phillies are looking at it now and saying, man... It's risky to pay a catcher uh, into his mid-30s. Like, that was a decision that they had been discussing even before they acquired J.T. Real if so, you, know, you have to think about how the whole process is going to play out. You're not just thinking about how it's going to impact you in 2019. You're thinking, okay, we're trading a top asset in Sixto Sanchez for this guy, but... We also feel strongly that we could re-sign him. We feel strongly that he's going to age well. So all of that would have played into their initial acquisition of JT Real Muto. So I think that all those conversations really have been taking place in earnest for about a year now. Um, maybe not consistently, but taking place in some form. Uh, you know, I heard the names you mentioned uh, behind the plate, like Wilson Ramos. I can almost guarantee you the Phillies are not going to go that route again. Um, because he's, he's, you know, the guy could barely move when they acquired him. As good of a hitter as he was, and he's now going to be what two years older. Um, I also don't see Yadier Molina leaving St. Louis. Maybe he leaves them to, you know, if, if another team offers like a, you know, a pricey one or two year deal. But I do think that when it ends up, the Phillies are going to end up signing Real Muto for a contract around, I don't know, between one hundred twenty five and one hundred fifty million dollars. About six to eight months ago, I wrote an article at NBC Sports Philly uh, outlining what I thought the contract was going to look like, and I believe the terms that I projected were five years, $112.5 million, a very exact figure, uh, but I based that off of what the AAV would be and what um, comparable contracts would be. But as we sit here now, I think it's going to be much higher than $112.5 million. I can see it really getting to between 130 and 150 The guy is so unique. You know, he's, uh, in many ways, he's like... I'm not going to say he's the heartbeat of the Phillies because they do have Bryce Harper and you know they have guys like Aaron Nolan and Reese Hoskins who have been around, but JT is just such a unique element to the Phillies in all ways and he's one of the best base runners in all of baseball uh, fangraft is a base running stat that last season JT Real Mutual ranked ahead of Mookie Betts, okay? That's not saying he's faster, but that he's perhaps as good of a base runner so this guy just adds value in so many ways there are other players to like uh, but the complete package of JT to me, I think that he could be worth the money for four years in that deal. And if at the back end of the deal there are one or two years where his productivity slips or you have to move him to first base, I think that's the cost of doing business.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, he, he, he is definitely just such a, a, a special um, player, all-around player. Um, I, I think one thing that might come out of, of the situation now is, like, we don't know how... How it's gonna? This is gonna impact teams' willingness to spend this off season. Um, and me and Ty were actually talking about it a little bit before the podcast. We don't think for a guy like Mookie Betts that it'll really change. Like, like you said, he's gonna get four hundred million dollars, and I don't think that um, what's happening now is is gonna change that. But I, I, I do think like there there might be um, some teams with owners who are saying hey, let's let's not spend money this off season and next off season because uh, we didn't make any money in, in twenty twenty. Um, and and how that affects a guy like Romulo? Maybe you know he gets offers from other teams, but maybe they aren't quite in that higher
0: range that you were you were talking about. Yeah, it's a good point. I could see that happening as well. Uh, Jim Salisbury and I talked about that on the Philly's Talk podcast last week as well. Just the idea that. Um, this could be a disastrous winter for free agents. And I agree. I don't think it's going to affect JT. I don't think it's going to affect Mookie Betts. But I think it's going to affect Marcus Semien, Marcus Stroman, Robbie Ray, de Odorizzi, maybe a guy like George Springer. Uh, and I think what you're going to see is that you're going to see the small market teams not really spend. I think you're going to see the teams that spent a lot this past offseason kind of sitting this one out now i'm not saying there's definitely how it's going to play out but if i'm a team that went out and signed a couple of big free agents or made trades that added to my payroll uh, in 2019 heading into 2020 and there was no season i mean obviously one of the um uh, one of the responses that you have to take to that is the you know trim costs a little bit in the stewing off season so maybe you're looking at teams like the yankees spending less or maybe the cincinnati reds spend a little bit less uh, but i still think that Teams around the league when it comes to those top guys. Like, I still think that there's going to be a dozen teams in it for uh, at least exploratory conversations for a guy like Mookie Betts or, you know, a guy like JT Romuto. But what it's going to create, though, is, you know, that, like, for example, last year, AJ Pollock got four years, $55 million. The comparable version of AJ Pollock that is upcoming offseason is not going to be getting $55 million. He might get a one year deal. So I think that's where it's going to change some things. And this is the reality of the situation, you know. Like everybody has to compromise right now. Everybody's taking financial losses, and baseball players realize it's coming for them too.
1: That's something, um, you know. You're talking about the middle tier, free agent, maybe not getting as much as they would have in other years. But that's also something that the Phillies, if if um, you know, they talk. They you you hear a lot about how uh, the most important thing to them is winning, and and spending money is something that they're willing to do. Maybe that. They can use that to their advantage if they're willing to to sign uh, some more of those middle-tier free agents um, because they'll be a little bit cheaper. Maybe they can go out and and spend a little bit more to to plug some holes in their roster.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think I agree with that because, like, if you look around the division, for example, um, the Braves are not a notoriously... um, the Braves are not a team that spends notoriously. The Mets have not really spent to their market size over the last 10 years. Uh, so I would be, I would not be surprised if Atlanta and New York, for example, mostly sat out the off-season to come again in, in the event of no season. Uh, the Nationals not really sure. They obviously have a ton of money tied up in their top guys. So yeah, the Phillies could make a bit of a dent that way. Um, you know, you have to consider money that's coming off the books. A guy like Gregorius. Signed a one-year deal, fourteen mil. Uh, the Phillies could look to, to to you know get actually get get uh, some return on their investment in the event of no season by bringing a guy like that back. Uh, but yeah, the Phillies that could be an avenue for them to improve. But you know the the, the flip side of that is if there is no season that's a year's worth of not lost development time, but it's a year's worth of time. You didn't get to see what you had in Alec Bowman, Spencer Howard, who were just as important to this whole puzzle as anybody you could sign free agency. Really?
1: Yeah. You just, you just mentioned, um, Gregorius in this situation we're talking about, there would be, um, you know, he wouldn't play for the Phillies and he'd become a free agent again. Um, what do you, what do you guys think, um, the Phillies might do in that situation? They could, sign him back potentially they could go sign a different shortstop and then having scott kingery be able to play nearly every position on the field uh, they could move him there and uh you know gives them some more options because of his versatility what do you what are your thoughts on what might happen at shortstop uh well
0: you know i could I kind of think that the Phillies would run it back with Didi Gregorius. Like, it wouldn't shock me if, in the event of no season, they signed him at the end of the scene one-year deal because they're still going to need a shortstop next year. Uh, yeah, you could put Scott Kinger in that position, but that limits your defensive flexibility. Bryson Stott is not going to be ready to play shortstop next year. Uh, the Phillies clearly didn't feel great about having Gene Segura at the position this season. So I think the most likely scenario in that case would be them bringing back Didi Gregorius, who is still going to probably sign a prove-it deal like he did this past off-season, because he will then need to, you know, Reprove his worth and try to get a multi-year deal. Yeah, I mean, I think um, other than Gregorius,
2: if you're looking at the short the shortstop position next this off season, a a guy like Marcus Simeon, who who Corey you mentioned, um, he's really good. And I mean, I don't know how they feel about. I'm sure the Phillies are high on Bryson Stott now, but if you can uh, sign Marcus Simeon to a a multi-year deal, uh, and if you can get a discount because of the the circumstances, I I think that could be. Um, a smart move. Not not saying that it's one that the Phillies would make. Um, and I think I think that uh, an interesting aspect too is that it definitely looks like the NL is going to add the the DH, whether it be um, this season if there is a season or or in 2021. Um, and that kind of gives the the Phillies some flexibility. Uh, you mentioned Alec Boehm. There's, there's been a lot of talk about him being the DH. Obviously, it's, it's more ideal if he can play third base, but that's uh, kind of questionable. But that kind of gives the Phillies some uh, flexibility. That combined with, obviously, Scott Kingery being able to play virtually anywhere on the roster. So they could sign a shortstop. They could sign a, a third baseman. Um, it, it's really, you know, that there's a lot of things they can do.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the beauty of Kingery being able to play everywhere. You know, a lot of people think that it's cost him offense in the first two years, and I agree with that. I think that it has probably uh, cost him a few points of batting average, maybe some extra base hits that would have accrued if he was comfortable in one spot. But the, 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 what it allows the Phillies is, you know, this past offseason, for example, how many of us actually thought they were going to go out and sign a shortstop? I didn't think they were going to go out and sign T.D. Gregorius. I mean, I knew he was one of the better position players on the market, but, you know... I, they could have they could have signed a player at multiple different positions just because you can fill the gap by putting Kipriy at that other spot. Uh, Marcus Simeon, real quick, you mentioned as a free agent. I think a guy like that is one of the guys you really have to be careful with this this upcoming offseason, especially in the event of no season, because he had a career year last year. It was like an amazing year all around. He played every game. He led the majors played appearances. His defense improved. But over the previous three seasons, this is a guy who committed 76 errors and had an OPS 3% below the league average. So you have to ask yourself, was that a career year, or is this Marcus Semien turning the corner? And those are the kinds of guys I think teams are going to be most hesitant to pay, because the track record is isn't super long
1: yeah definitely um moving on from from shortstop here uh the phillies if there is no season and even if there is a season um after after 2020 they'll be losing jake arietta to free agency um so they will probably you know spencer howard will be coming along but they'll still probably want to maybe look at um a starting pitcher uh, in this free agency. So losing, losing Arrieta creates a hole. Um, what is, what does everyone think that they might do in free agency or, or maybe a trade if there's one in mind, but, uh, for a starting pitcher.
2: Why don't you go first, Johnny? What do you think? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I do agree, Ty, that they're, they're probably going to sign someone. Um, you know, I I think that the past two off seasons, it's, it's, kind of been like a thing that the Phillies were expected to sign starters and obviously they, they, they signed Zach Wheeler this year but um, they, they I think a lot of people expected them to add more and they didn't um, and with Arrieta gone uh, I think unless um, if there was a season you know m- maybe you see um, one of Zach Eflin or, or Nick I mean you know Nick Pavetta or, or Vince Velasquez. because we've been saying this for three or four years now uh, one of them figure it out but like Assuming that doesn't happen, even you know, if there isn't a season, they're not gonna go into twenty twenty one expecting you know, what counting on those guys, I wouldn't think. So, you know, a guy like uh like James Paxton, um I know he, he well he's coming off an injury right now, right? But he I mean he was expected back this season. Um you know, uh who else is? Trevor Bauer.
1: I don't know like if they would sign big money for a free agent starter again but I think they
2: could they could go after a middle tier guy to, to kind of patch it up uh, who that may be I don't know exactly um, but yeah I, I think they will sign someone
0: well there are three guys that stick out to me in this upcoming free agent class all lefties. Uh, what I will say is that you know, this next three-season class for starting pitchers is much more plentiful in, like, number three starters, for example, than this past off season was. This past off season, you had Garrett Cole and Zach Wheeler, and then there was just a massive, massive gap between everybody else, uh, and... This upcoming offseason, you have guys like uh, Mike Minor of the Rangers, really, you know, a guy who's really good the last couple of years. Um, Robbie Ray, who the Phillies have been after for years in, in trade talks. A guy who is... Some would consider him the left-handed version of Vince Velasquez, but he's much more consistent than Vince Velasquez, and his upside is higher than Vince, Vince Velasquez's. Uh, and then the other guy uh, is... Uh, who was it? I just had it in front of me. Mike Minor, Robbie Ray, and Jose Quintana. Jose Quintana of the Cubs, a guy who... It seems like every year there has these runs where he gets rocked for four or five starts and then he is untouchable for four or five starts. And again, it's like you have to ask yourself, is Jose Quintana better than Eflin, Velasquez, and Pavetta? I think the answer, even at 33 years old, is absolutely. So I do think the Phillies are, would make a to the rotation whether or not there's a 2020 season because as you mentioned, Jake Arrieta will be coming off the books. I highly, highly, highly doubt that the Phillies would bring him back barring just an amazing 2020 season if they do play. And... I'm still, you know, I'm going to be realistic and I'm going to be realistic with this. I'm not confident that Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez will take steps forward. I just haven't seen enough to think that other than people hoping and looking at the strikeout rates.
1: Yeah, another guy, I I agree with you there. Um, I I think they could be serviceable starting pitchers, uh, those two. But I doubt they take any type of of leap at this point um, to kind of be... Somebody they could they could definitely count on. Uh, I think Jake Odorizzi is another name. Uh, maybe he's a little out of their price range just because he was really good uh, last season. And you know maybe uh, if there's no season he'll he'll get a good amount of money in free agency. But I think that's somebody they could have interest in. Maybe maybe they take another run at Drew Smiley. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be a free agent.
0: The issue that I have with guys like Odorizzi, and this is true of Robbie Ray too, is that like they're not guys that you think, okay, every fifth day that guy's going to take me into the seventh inning, or that guy's even going to complete five and two-thirds. Um, they're guys who rack up high-pitch counts, who are not known for their uh, like durability, uh, and I, I just I, don't know, I, I just think the Phillies have seen that so much over the last couple of years. They've seen... Uh, too frequently to start the starters last five innings and it exposes the bullpen And even when the bullpen's going well the lack of volume from the starting pitchers taxes it um, so I don't know I don't know about Jake Odorizzi I think he's a good pitcher it's just it has to be the right price
2: I agree on Odorizzi um, definitely I, I remember um, Ty and we, we, we were doing the uh, offseason podcast for for this offseason um, talking about Odorizzi I think he averaged like right around five innings per, per start which is uh I, like obviously the the game's been changing and starters don't last that long, but still when you're you're paying a guy you know fifteen sixteen seventeen million you you expect him to be someone who can you know make it out of the fifth or sixth inning every every fifth day. Um, so yeah, that's just my take on or is but
0: and, and that's why I like Mike Minor a lot, just because Mike Minor offers you. You know he's going to miss bats. He's going to get ground balls, and he's going to go deep into the games. Uh, you know, I'm not saying he's an ace, but you could do way worse for like a number two or number three starter than Mike Meyer, assuming that he's able to, um, w- assuming that he's able to, uh, you know, keep consistent the production he's had the last two years in Texas.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, mo- moving on from the starting pitchers here, um, they- the Phillies also have a few relievers that will be hitting the free agent uh, market. They haven't had a ton of success with signing free agent uh, relievers recently. Um, I, I think Robertson will hit the market. Uh, Tommy Hunter will hit the market. Uh, I believe Alvarez will as well. Um, and, and like I just said, they haven't had a ton of success in signing the, these relievers um, whether that be due to ineffectiveness or, or injury um, do you guys think that they'll go out and, and sign any big free agent relievers or do you think there's um, you know they'll just kind of do what they what they did this off season, just kind of pick guys um, from the lower tier and hope some of them work and then at the same time they have a, a good core of some minor league relievers at this point and names that pop out um, Garrett Clevenger Connor Brogdon, Addison Russ, um, and some more guys there. Um, do you think they'll just kind of stick with their young talent and hope a few of them, um, you know, work out for them?
0: I don't think you can. I think you got to go out and sign some relievers. Uh, unless I'm mistaken, the past offseason the Phillies didn't sign any relievers to a major league deal. It was all minor league deals. They were trying to kind of the shop for the, you know, the guys like Drew Stewart and Anthony Sforza. that I've seen which veteran might click, because really a lot of times that is what um, makes up a good bullpen. It's not signing a bunch of high-priced guys, it's just having the randomly right formula in the right year. I mean, I look at like last year, 2019, Oakland Athletics closer, Liam Hendricks. Going into last season, there wasn't a person alive who was going to tell you that Liam Hendricks would be one of the top 20 relievers in baseball, much less the very best reliever in all of baseball last season, but he was, uh, because... Things clicked and the the high 90s test ball was supplemented by a better breaking ball. Um, And so when you look at guys who are available in free agency this upcoming year, Liam Hendricks is out there, another elite closer, Kirby Yates is out there. Uh, But I'm looking even beyond that. Like, okay, not that he had a great year last year in Arizona, but someone who's going to be out there at age 37 is Yoshihisa Hirano, okay, who is in a who his rookie year was very, very effective in Arizona. A lot of times um, you'll see that a guy will come over from Japan in his late 30s and be dominant. I think of like a Koji Uihara or um, you know Boston is uh, uh, Saito a bunch of years ago. Um, so a guy like that, you can get pretty inexpensively. You can probably get him for like a million, a million and a half dollars and he you improves your bullpen theoretically. So I think there's going to be a lot of options out there. I also wouldn't rule out the possibility of David Robertson saying, you know what, I'll sign a one-year deal with you guys because you know that, that $23 million deal – I know I didn't really uh, produce during much of it. Not that he's in t- not that he's obligated to, to do them a favor or anything like that, but I could see David Robertson um, signing another like one year prove it deal to reestablish his worth, but also kind of make good on his previous contract with the Phillies. Yeah, I mean, I think Corey you
2: alluded to it a little bit there. That I think like in general relievers are it's like the most volatile part of of, of your roster. Year to year, guys break out, guys. Struggle, and I think the Phillies have been hurt by the what, what Ty was talking about—some big contracts: David Robertson, Pat uh, Nieshek, Tommy Hunter. More, more just with the, the health of those guys, um, they haven't been able to produce, and they—they they were getting you know seven, eight million dollars a year. Uh, so I agree, you know, sign sign guys that you can to one one or two million dollar deals, and then uh, like Ty mentioned, there are a lot of, of young guys who are coming up: uh, Connor Brogden, Ramon. Ro- rosso addison ross it's it's an influx of of guys who look the part of of of, some of them can turn into major league relievers i can't remember the last time the phillies had this many guys coming up at the same time and i mean you'd assume at least some of those guys can can work out so i don't think you spend big money uh on free agent free agent relievers but you do of course
0: you know sign a couple veterans to stir up the bullpen i think we well, yeah, and the other thing too, is that relievers are typically the most plentiful asset of the trade deadline. So, you know, if the Phillies did go with more of a mix of their youth to see what happens and they realize at midseason we need to beef up this bullpen. They could go out there and do it via trade. I just think that like, you know, I know that it's not a position that's spending typically and the success, uh, but, but, if you have a team that's in win now mode, I don't. I, I don't think it's the responsible way to build a team to have a bullpen full of unknowns. You know, maybe if you have like an elite closer and an elite setup man, you can make make do with the rest of them being young guys experiencing uh, the pressure of the majors for the first time. But I, I think at a certain point, it becomes protecting the investment of the rest of your team. And after sitting out in off season. Turned to major league contracts with relievers. I would be very surprised if the Phillies did it again. Although I do think that a guy like Ramon Rosso, for example, could have a lot of upside in the bullpen. Maybe a couple of those guys do click. I just don't know that relying on that is the best way to build a team.
1: Yeah, I think I agree there that um, you know, I, I think that there is a good chance some of these guys um, because they do have the stuff uh, of a a good bullpen piece. I think that they could figure it out, put it together, but um, especially if there's no season this year to see how they can fare at the major league level it would be a little kind of irresponsible to just um really bank on them so much so so i agree there that they'll probably have to sign a couple veterans that are a little bit more of a sure thing um so yeah that pretty much um that'll pretty much do it for our discussion on this upcoming offseason Do either of you guys uh have any final thoughts on what the off season might look like or baseball in general?
0: I would just say that I'm glad that we did this little exercise because it got me thinking about what the potential off season ahead could look like if there's no season. It's been a weird week because, you know, there's, there seems to be a portion of baseball fans that are optimistic based on the owners submitting a proposal. And there's a large portion of fans that are pessimistic because they see the growing conflict between owners and players in terms of how revenues are distributed in 2020 so it's like i really i mean july 1st july 4th is what we're looking six weeks away seven weeks away at this point like if you were to pin me down right now i'd be surprised if baseball season started then uh so
1: well it's good to be having these discussions just contingency plans just in case johnny you have anything Uh, i don't think so
0: just like uh like Corey said it'll be interesting
2: to see how this this uh discussion between the owners and the Players Association will uh, pan out during this week but it, I, I don't think the outlook
0: looks great uh, but we'll see
1: yeah I agree so, there you know
0: what yeah, the last thing I wanted to add is just that, you know, during this period where we don't have live sports, a lot of people um, have been clamoring for games of old, right? So, at the end of the month, uh, we're going to be re-airing the entire 2008 playoff run on NBC Sports Philadelphia, which that's going to be a lot of fun to re-watch those games. Like, I don't know where you guys were at that point, how old you were, uh, but, man, my recollection of even some of, like, those NLDS games a bit fuzzy aside from the big moments, so I know I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah,
1: for sure. I was eight years old during that run but some of my some of my first um great baseball memories came from that so that'll be cool to to re-watch for sure so yeah thank you everyone for listening thank you to Corey for coming on the phillies nation podcast with us everybody go give him a follow on twitter read his work at Um uh, once again thanks for listening and we'll talk to everyone next week
0: You can listen to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services.